Welcome to the Accessible Yoga Podcast, your weekly source for questions and answers around equity in yoga, hosted by Jeevana Heyman and Amber Carnes. Join us each week for powerful conversations with thought leaders at the intersection of justice, knowledge, and practice. Welcome to episode 17. I'm your host, Amber Carnes. In this episode, Jeevana Heyman welcomes Lakshmi Nair. Lakshmi is the founder of Satya Yoga Co-op, a black and indigenous people of color, BIPOC, owned and operated yoga cooperative in Denver, Colorado. Satya Yoga Co-op grew out of a yoga immersion and teacher training for BIPOC that Lakshmi has been offering in Denver since 2014. In this interview, we learn more about Lakshmi's journey back to her practice and the creation of this transformative yoga co-op. Lakshmi and Jeevana discovered that they have been in the same yoga spaces since the late 90s. This exchange between Lakshmi and Jeevana gives insight into building sustainable models to make this practice available accessible and welcoming for all hope you enjoy this conversation here we go okay hi this is Jeevana uh, thanks for joining me again for the podcast I'm so excited to have Lakshmi Nair from um, Denver right are you in Denver yeah I'm in Denver hi hi <laughs> I should have said hi first <laughs> yeah hi yeah, it's really nice to be here thanks how are you Good. Good. And uh, let's see. So I, I didn't really introduce you very well, but um, let's see. You're the founder of Satya Yoga Cooperative. That's that's how I knew you, I guess. But I'm sure you have lots of other things that you do, titles. Um, can you tell us actually a little bit about your work? Um, yeah. So, um, you know, as you mentioned, I am sort of the um, founder of, and I'm putting that in air quotes, which I know you can't see, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> of uh, Satya Yoga Cooperative in Denver, Colorado. And Satya Yoga Cooperative is a um, BIPOC, meaning Black, Indigenous, and People of Color-owned yoga co-op. Um, and so we, we started that last year, um, and it, it was um, started by me and students of mine who went through a yoga teacher training program for people of color that I had started in 2013. So, um, so my work, you know, when I say I'm the founder, it's not, that's not exactly accurate, you know, term. I'm, I'm a co-founder along with several of my students, um, of the co-op and, I'm what might be more accurate to say is that I'm the founder of a, a yoga teacher training program for people of color mm. um, that mm -hmm. had started in 2014. I see. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, that makes sense. It's interesting, actually, you know, I had kind of a parallel experience with accessible yoga because that really all started with a teacher training program. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, and then it, you know, then turned into this organization. So it's funny, like um, those teacher tr those teacher trainings are powerful. You know, they kind of uh, launch things, I guess. Can you tell us more about it about that teacher training then that you started? Yeah. So um, you know, prior to prior to um, starting that, I had been teaching yoga for about ten years. And was you know just getting really frustrated um, with it you know in the sense that I just hadn't found a you know like grounding for myself you know in that 
in that world. And I had been teaching for teacher trainings, you know, um, which, which I definitely liked um, compared to teaching, you know, just drop in yoga classes. I enjoyed, you know, teaching for teacher trainings because it was an opportunity to go more in depth, you know, into yoga. Mm-hmm. I felt, you know, I felt like I had a lot to share, you know, in that way. Um, however, you know, I definitely was feeling frustrated by the lack of um, just diversity of, you know, I was often, you know, one of the only people of color, you know, in, in a lot of these programs and, um, and, and then, you know, what ended up happening, like what kind of prompted me to start the teacher training and, you know, that required sort of a leap of faith on my part that I could, do it right because I hadn't you know run a whole teacher training program by myself I had just been um kind of like a a guest teacher at several different teacher trainings Mm -hmm. right and this was a 200 200 hour program yeah 200 hour program so Mm -hmm. um you know what ended up happening was I I had an experience where you know I just it was sort of like the last straw for me you know I was volunteering with um, an organization that was offering yoga in schools and and primarily schools with kids of color Um, and I was the Mm -hmm. only person of color you know as a volunteer Mm -hmm. or even in the entire organization altogether you know and I ended up being sort of fired from my volunteer job um, because I spoke up about something that, you know, just felt racist, right, to me. So, um, wow, you got fired. Yeah, from I, the volunteer. Yeah, I got fired for speaking up, and so that that wow. you know, kind of threw me into a bit of a depression, really, because I was like, um, I just felt like oh, I can't deal with this world anymore. You know, like I just don't feel like I have a mm-hmm. And, and it really, you know, as a, as a South Asian person, and this is like part of our spiritual heritage and such to like, see how mm. it has kind of become this whole almost like monster in and of itself, you know, that is really like separate from us or like what we feel yoga is. And then, you know, and then you can even have things like systemic racism within it, you know. It um, yeah. it was just painful, yeah. you know, for me. Yeah, sorry to hear that. That sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it threw me into a little bit of an existential crisis. Um, I was thinking, like, oh my gosh, I need to just find a job, I guess, you know, <laughs> like something else to, you know, to, uh-huh. to do for a living. Um, but uh-huh. I didn't know what that would be because this is what I had thrown my whole you know heart and soul into you know mm-hmm. so, wow. um, so then I, I ended up sort of writing about the experience um, and then somebody saw you know what I had written um, Kathy Phelps from an organization called Center for Trauma and Resilience here in Denver and she offered me um, an opportunity to teach a yoga class, a trauma-sensitive yoga class for women of color. And that was perfect. That was exactly kind of what I was looking for. Um, 
I mean, up until, up until that time, I, I guess I hadn't, I guess in my mind, cause I grew up here in Colorado and, and then I later, you know, I went to college outside of Colorado. I went to California and was in California for a really long time. And so in my mind, when I returned to Colorado, like I, I, I just had it in my mind that there's like no diversity here and that I have to just mm-hmm. accept it. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And I have to like mm-hmm. with it. When that actually isn't the case. Right. So, mm-hmm. like it was, so when I got this opportunity to teach a class for, for women of color, I was like so excited because I really missed, you know, the diversity of the Bay area. Um, I was looking for that in this volunteer job, you know, that I had taken that I got fired from. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and then, you know, when I started teaching that class, it was, it, it all kind of clicked, you know, it, for the first time, I actually felt like people really appreciated what I had to offer. You know, I had been teaching for about 10 years and always felt like a misfit kind of in the, (laughs) you know, right. Wait, so, so. You, you felt like a misfit because you're from you're an Indian woman. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, I mean, it, I felt like a misfit because I think the way I taught yoga was not like okay. how mainstream yoga studio yoga was taught. You know, um, yeah. and and yeah. I didn't know how to teach in that way. And you know, even though I was yeah. there in that world, sort of for like ten years, trying to fit myself into it, I never. Mm. I never really like assimilated to that, you know, mm-hmm. that mode okay. of teaching because it didn't feel comfortable to me, you know. So like, like kind of like a very like um, power yoga or like very physical practice. Is that what you mean? Kind of like yeah, a, the I mean, Western. I mean, mainly that sort of physical focus mm-hmm. on asana. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, for you know, for the first time, I really felt like people understood and appreciated, you know, what I was offering. Um, And then I also, you know, and many people were coming and telling me like how much it was helping them. And, Mm. and I was like, ah, we, we need to have, you know, classes like this all over, you know, like all over the city. But at the same time, I knew that like, like I couldn't, you know, I'm only one person. So, Mm. so I felt like, you know, at that, I just felt like the best and I also you know knew that again that you know I really did enjoy doing teacher training because of that opportunity to go more in depth you know into the um, into the practices into the background into the philosophies like all these kind of pieces that you don't really get an opportunity to bring into just like a drop in class you know yeah I do I I get it I I agree (laughs) teacher training is where it's at yeah. At least in the West. Yeah. So, you know, so I felt that, so I just, I had this idea, like, what if I put together a, a teacher training for people of color um, so that, you know, by training more teachers, we can have more of these type of classes, right, for people, right? It won't, wouldn't just be a one-off thing, you know, here and there, mm-hmm. right? So, so mm-hmm. I, I, I thought about that. I started, you know, I started trying to put together the curriculum, which came together really easily for me, you know, and especially Mm. when thinking about doing 
a training for people of color, I was, you know, I was really contemplating all the experiences I had in the yoga world um, with, you know, why did I feel out of place in it? The microaggressions that I experienced, the sort of, again, like bigger things like systemic racism, you know, going on. Uh, but also, you know, I, I thought about even just my own personal journey of healing. You know, one of I had mentioned that in my mind when I came back to Colorado, I I assumed mm-hmm. that Colorado had like no diversity, right? Um, yeah. Because my experience of growing up in Colorado was like that, right? I grew I grew up in a part in a suburb, you know, of Denver, which at that yeah. time. You know, right now that that particular suburb is is quite diverse. But when I was mm. growing up there, it wasn't. You know, um, there wasn't a lot of diversity in the suburbs. I mean, of course, you know, growing up in the suburbs, I didn't know, <laughs> you know, about uh-huh. like Denver, you know, and and different areas of um, Denver that had more diversity. But mm-hmm. but my impression of my impression of Colorado is that it was, you know, very white. And, and at, you know, at the time that I left after I graduated from high school, a lot of internal damage had been done, you know, that Mm. then had spent a lot of, you know, I had spent many years afterwards kind of trying to heal myself from, right. Or, or kind of understand, untangle, construct all of that kind of stuff um so you know i had had that opportunity because i did go to california to a more diverse area afterwards i had an opportunity to do some healing work around that you know and mm-hmm. and came to some you know understandings you know that helped me and yoga was definitely a part of that right like um i could i was able to sort of put together a lot of things in my mind. Um, Is that, um, can you say more about that? You said you, is that part of the curriculum that you were able to create for the training then? Yeah, yeah. So that, you know, when I, when I put together the training, I really thought about like, how does yoga apply? You know, how do the philosophies of yoga, the teachings of yoga, how does it apply to our experiences as of oppression right in this society and the damage that that does to us you know physically mentally and spiritually you know can uh-huh. can these practices help um and yeah i just had a conversation with um, dr gail parker so actually about that so and maybe you know her new book yeah where she that's really what she's talking about you know is um the impacts of ethnic and race-based trauma, stress and trauma, and then how yoga can help, you know, really, it's quite amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited about that book. <laughs> so I, I want to maybe use it in our next, you know, our next cohort of yeah. teacher training. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think what's interesting, well, there's so many interesting things in that book. I haven't finished it yet, but from what I can see, what I've read so far, it just feels like, um, she explains what you just explained, basically, and just like how, um, well, some of the impacts of trauma, and then also how yoga can support healing from that. Um, and I thought it was it. What's surprising to me about the book was the the restorative yoga 
focus, you know, but I, I get it. Like I, I've been using restorative yoga myself um, with a yoga therapist that I see uh, and it's really been transformational, but it's not what I was ever drawn to. Like, I feel like yoga is healing in general, but really slowing down like that has been, has been really um, challenging and transformational in a way. Yeah. Well, similarly, you know, my, my start with it was trauma sensitive yoga, right? Which is not something that I had formally trained in, but I feel like basically the way that I, you know, when I, when I was asked to teach that class, they asked me to read a book, you know, by um, David Emerson. Mm -hmm. So I read it and I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> this is pretty much how I already teach, you know? And uh -huh. so, um, so, yeah, so it felt very comfortable and natural to me, but, it, you know, it is a much more, like, slow and mindful, you know, connecting with the body kind of practice, and I feel like... How did you come up with that? I mean, is that something that you learned from family, or is it some tradition that you studied? Like, what is your... Like, how did, or did you just create that yourself? So, so my, um, my, my personal story of yoga <laughs> is, it's funny that you asked me, is that what I learned from my family? Because that's kind of a resounding no, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did learn yoga from my dad. Um, and the way that my dad taught me yoga was very militaristic, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like he would wake me up starting from when I was about um, 13 years old. Like he would wake me up at like 4.30 in the morning and, you know, and, and not like in a kind and pleasant way. <laughs> just he would yank my covers off of my bed in the winter time and they, <laughs> things like mm -hmm. wake me up like get me up and then I had you know he would want me to like meditate would he like wake you up and make you do sun salutations or something? well he would make wake me up and yes make me do um not exactly sun salutations he would make me do um asana practices you know most of which were not like holding postures. They were more like dynamic, you know, like mm -hmm. um, postures, like, you know, squats, like he would want me to do like, you know, a hundred squats, which which had a sort of like particular motion, right? Like he wanted me to, to follow um, things like that, you know, like they were almost more like calisthenics. They were, there were, and then there were some asanas like mixed in some some sort of what we think of as classical asanas you know um mm. and then afterwards he would want me to meditate for 20 minutes which during which time i would always like every single day i'd fall asleep <laughs> 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 because i was a teenager you know waking up at four yeah. <laughs> so right. So, you know, my experience of yoga, like, was this kind of, like, very, like, militaristic disciplinarian type of practice, and I hated it, mm -hmm. to be honest, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and that was just the physical, you know, the physical part of it and sort of the um, meditation part of it, right? But then in terms mm -hmm. of philosophy and things like that that was always woven into our whole lives you know from the time I was a child you know through stories and I was actually really really fond of um 
all of the the Indian stories, you know, growing up. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, those were those were the ones I gravitated more towards than sort of um, mm-hmm. other types of stories. So, so I got a lot of exposure to like the philosophical concepts and things like that through through our stories, you know, throughout my life. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know, in terms of physical practice, my exposure was that, you know, just having my dad kind of make me <laughs> this stuff that I didn't want to do. So um, yeah. then, but then later in my life, when I did leave home, um, I went through like a pretty, you know, dark time. I was in a, a pretty like abusive marriage, you know, in my twenties. And, um, you know, at that time I, and I had completely, you know, I was not doing any kind of practice at all, you know, and, and even like not even any kind of spiritual practice. I had like all of my 20s had been sort of like a um, getting disconnected, <laughs> you know, I mm-hmm. it was like uh-huh. sort of like one thing after another that sort of like disconnected me from my spiritual practice, but also from myself, you know in a lot of ways so that by the end of it you know maybe around the time of my my Saturn return like I was in a pretty mm. like, crisis state you know I was very mm. very disassociated you know and um and then that was when I started taking a yoga class with a friend of mine and mm. you know it was in San Francisco it was at um integral ashram in San Francisco oh. Really? Yeah. Did we talk about this before? I don't think we talked about it before. That's what I. That's where I was. Oh, okay. And <laughs> yeah. the Integral Yoga Institute in San Francisco. What year? Do you know? Um. Yeah, this would have been in like nineteen ninety, like around nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine. Oh my gosh, I was I was totally involved there. I was leading the teacher training programs there. Oh my god. Um, but uh, yeah, that was my job, and then yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, the teacher, so and I was just taking classes there. Jeevan, I didn't actually like get involved. Yeah. involved. So I great! Mean, I wonder if I saw you. I Maybe I caught you. Teacher that I was taking classes with, I think her name was Marianne. Does that ring a bell? Hmm. No, I have to think. There probably, I'm sure there was a Marianne, but. There were so many classes back then. It was a very busy time. Um, yeah. But I taught all the time too, and I and uh, and trained almost all the teachers during those yeah for about a fifteen, almost twenty year period actually. Oh wow! Um, ran all the two hundred hour trainings there. Yeah. Wow. That's so great. That's so funny. Like really like interesting coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> because, because I have to say that that class and I was. So I, at the time, I was working in an after-school program in um, in the Mission District at um, at Cesar Chavez Elementary School. Do you know that school? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, after you know the program was over, I was taking this class with my friend, and really it was the reason I was doing it was because I basically it was a way for me to not go home, you know, um, for a little mm-hmm. while right I was trying to like avoid going home and that gave me you know a little more extra time so I started doing it and 
and and what that class really meant to me was it started bringing me back to things that I already knew within myself, you know, thing, and, you know, I did kind mm-hmm. of bring back to things that I knew from my, from my childhood and from, you know, even though I, you know, like to joke that my dad was forcing me to do, <laughs> do yeah, things. we're doing it, I guess. There were, you know, some, some things that I learned from that too, right? Like that's something yeah. I got from that. And so, um, it, well, an interval yoga is a pretty uh, classical, I mean, as far as Western yoga goes, I mean, you know, it, it definitely, I think, has, um, there's a fullness to it. At least that's what the idea was, you know, Swami yeah. Satchitananda was trying to integrate all different aspects of, of yoga <clears throat> as much as you can in a class. I think he did right. pretty well. And that's what, and I felt like it was, it was definitely, it was bringing me back into my body, which was a huge thing. Cause as I said, yeah. I was quite disassociated, you know, at the time. Um, and it was also like kind of may, helping me to remember a lot, you know, that I already mm. knew. And so, um, you know, so, so it was, I mean, it sounds cliche, but you know, I, I understood then how healing yoga can be, you know? Mm-hmm. So then so then when I went on to pursue yoga, you know, studies, and I did my, you know, I studied at, in, in India at um, Esfiasa. I don't know if you've heard of Esfiasa in near Bangalore. No. Swami Vivekananda. Oh, Vivekananda's. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, um, you know, I studied, I studied there and, and essentially like, you know, I pursued yoga for my, for my own healing, you know, and, and so many things came up, you know, just healing from being in an abusive relationship. Like there were many, many deeper things that I had to look at, you know, like in terms of like, why did I get into that relationship in the first place, you know, Mm -hmm. and so like so many, so many things came up in terms of like cultural oppressions, right? That I had been sort of indoctrinated into, right? Like patriarchy, but also, but also racism, right? Like was also a big part yeah. of it. You know? So they were, those were all things that I was looking at a lot as I was sort of like trying to unpack, you know, what got me to that point, you know? So yeah. Wow. And, and I was utilizing these practices of yoga throughout that. So I think that was just kind of how it came to be for me. It was, um, you know, I, I just was using it for my own personal healing and in the way that made the most sense or was most effective for me, which really was like learning how to feel, you know, things mm-hmm. in the body. Um, and slowing down, you know? Yeah, that's what it's for, really. <laughs> Great. Wow, that's an amazing story. Um, and so I guess you were talking about the 200-hour training that you led leading to um, Satya Cooperative. Can you talk about that? Um, kind of the evolution from that point 
I, yeah, so the first year, you know, I, I started just just basically reaching out first to, you know, the, the folks who had been coming to my um, class at Center for Trauma and Resilience, um, the, the women of color class that I was teaching there, and, and also asked them to spread the word if there was anybody who um, they knew who might be interested. And then I also hosted like one sort of info session, you know, where folks could come and meet me. And so then that first year, I got um, seven students who, who joined the, the teacher training, which was, you know, basically just enough for me to make it work, you know, like, because mm-hmm. I was like, I, I knew I need I needed a minimum, you know, sort of a bottom line for me to be able to, you know, spend the time. Um, yeah. and then the curriculum that I wrote, um, you know, a lot of other teacher training programs, 200 hour teacher training programs, I mean, some of them are really short, right? Like they get it done in like, you know, six weeks or two months or three months, you know, like that. Um, I know uh, that, like for me, I definitely, one, you know, just having a family and things like that, that wasn't a, a schedule that really worked yeah. for me, but I also you know, knew that, you know, that wasn't going to work for people of color in general, for many people of color in general to have that kind of intensive schedule because, you know, people have lives, right? They have jobs, they have families. All yeah. um, and then also, I just really didn't like that idea of cramming everything into a short yeah, yeah. time. <laughs> so, so how long was it again? How long did you- I, I um, started it out as an eight-month program. So we did mm-hmm. it over eight months. And then, you know, now it's sort of evolved into more of like nine months. I, I still feel like that's too short a time, but yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's the same with accessible yoga, actually, you know, the, the 200 hour um, training that I create. So, and I was having a similar experience. I was leading the 200 hours at Integral Yoga in San Francisco, which, you know, it's not, a, it's not an accessible space. Also, do you remember all the stairs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then I was teaching in the community. I was teaching for people with disabilities all over the Bay Area. And some of those students, I was, they got very excited about yoga. And, and I encouraged them to take the teacher training, but it just was too fast and it wasn't accessible in any way. So that's how the, actually, that's how the name Accessible Yoga started is in a 200-hour training um, that I offered in, um, actually, it started in, let's see, it was Oakland. And it was eight months long, exactly like that. It was just, I just think people needed the time and the space to integrate it into their lives in a way that felt that felt accessible. Yeah. Um, and also to offer additional curriculum. I mean, we had, we, and we had like a mentorship program for each student. They had like a individual like person who would support them and help them work with like different learning styles that they had and how they could learn the material and, uh, and then we talked a lot about, you know, accessibility and making the practice accessible in the training as well. But it was still had the ma- mostly covered the same curriculum as a as the integral yoga two hundred hour training. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. so funny. Yeah, very similar. But yeah, I mean, I I also felt that it's like you know we need time to integrate you know all this information, right? You know, and and even then it feels like a lot, you know. It is. When you take, yeah, when you take, but you know, then it, it, I, I feel like most 200 hour teacher training programs are really just 
dipping a toe into the water, you know? Yeah. You have the rest of your life to continue to deepen into it and integrate it, you know? Right. I mean, it's more just like, it's like, we shouldn't call ourselves yoga teachers after a 200 hour. Maybe it's just like yoga asana teacher or something, you know? I don't know. It's just like one piece of, of such a vast, you know, I don't know, vastness. Like there's so much to yoga. It's never ending. Right. Um, and 200 hours just, yeah, it's not going to cut it. I don't think, but yeah, for it's sure. a good start. It's a good start. Yeah. And it is, you know, like, I do think it's, it's a, it's a beginning, you know? Yeah. Right. And, and like you said earlier, I mean, teacher training is great because at least there's the opportunity to discuss more of the background and the traditions and the philosophy that can be lost in most public classes. Most public classes, you only get asana, um, barely anything else. So it just does seem like teacher training is useful, at least now in the West. Like there's not other, a lot of other ways to learn all that. The more subtle. Right. You know, there, there isn't, that's kind of become the, the mode, you know, to be able to like go a little bit deeper into yoga. Yeah. It seems like there should be another way, but I don't know, you know, you don't have to become a teacher. Like it feels like a very kind of capitalist thing to like, if I'm going to learn something that means I have to teach it. Like I, you know what I mean? That it's like you don't often go to school to teach something you go to learn. And that's what we, you know, I, when I started my program, we actually call it an, a yoga immersion program. Um, yeah. So the first six months is yoga immersion and you don't, you don't have to do the teacher training portion of it. I see. Okay. So if you want to just do it for yourself to learn, you know, you mm. can. Um, most people do choose to go on and do the, the teacher training portion of it, but um you know, the, the immersion part, I am teaching everything, right? Like the philosophy and all of that. Um, and then the teacher training portion is when we really kind of get into like, what does it look like to teach a class and, you know, how mm-hmm. do you bring it together and doing the practice teaching and all of that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, the first part of it is the, the immersion is really like a, I, I think of it more as like a, self-inquiry program so like I really try to make sure that like the students who um, sign up you know we have an application process I, I want to make sure that they're ready to do that personal work you know because um, mm-hmm. it's really important to to do that before you teach you know to, to really understand yeah. like how does this system like work mm-hmm. for you? like how you know how can you integrate it into your own life and into your own healing you know so that first part of the immersion is very like um personal development and self-inquiry focused Mm -hmm. that's beautiful that's a great idea to do it that way Mm -hmm. yeah so then the cooperative how did the cooperative come to be exactly yeah so so you know um, I was feeling some kind of way about, you know, after we finished and, you know, because we do spend several months together in this kind of very like intimate space where we're kind of holding space for each other and for 
for each other's healing, right? And um, whatever comes up, you know, through that process, um, we really bond, you know, like uh, each year, you know, going through that process. And then I felt like, you know, people would finish the program and, and it was like, okay, bye. (laughs) You know, like I'm throwing, like throwing folks into the the world of yoga, right? Like versus, um, you know, for me, which for me didn't work, right? Like I, I, I always felt like towards the end, I would be telling them like what the yoga world is like and how, you know, like, yeah, like it's, like you, you almost, I, I almost felt like I was trying to tell them like about all these compromises you might need to make, right? Like to fit into mm. that world. Yeah. Um, and then, and, you know, I felt like actually what I did for myself was create my own space. You know, and I would try yeah. to encourage the students also be like, you know, you can create your own space, but at the same time, you know, like I wasn't able to like provide support for folks afterwards right and I really wanted to and I I tried you know in in various ways but it was just that I didn't have the capacity to um to really do that when I was also doing the the teacher trainings right or the the program so um so after about four years you know and we I had like a pretty solid group of students I just put it out to folks like, you know, I've been trying to think about how to create something, right? Like for us, you know, so that like we can continue to support each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I, you know, a lot of people were kind of encouraging me to try to, you know, become a nonprofit or things like that. And for whatever reason that wasn't resonating for me, like I felt like if I did that, you know, my entire job might be about trying to support this nonprofit, you know? Yes, it is. <laughs> and, and I can tell you it's true. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is that that's not what I wanted to do. You know, I really love people, you know? Um, I really love working with people through that process, you know? So I didn't want to give that up to, like, become more of a an administrator or something, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I heard about co-ops, you know, like uh, from a couple of people. And then I I met with a couple of people who are um, part of some local co-ops. Um, there's one, one here called Walk to Connect, which I thought was perfect because it was... Um, you know, it's similar to like yoga, right? But it was it was a co-op business based on the idea of walking, um, of walking. <laughs> based on doing community walking and community building through walking. It's called Walk to Connect. It's a really beautiful thing. It's, you know, started by um, a beautiful person named Jonathan Stalls here in Denver. Um, and, and then I also met with another person who had started something called... Um, Denver Compost um, Collective or Co-op. And so I just, you know, met with them to just ask them about what co-ops are, the model and stuff. And then they connected me with with an organization called Community Wealth Building Network who, who, you know, part of their job is to support co-ops. 
And so then it just kind of got the ball rolling. And I feel like you know, it was one of those situations where, um, you know, when you, when you are set upon the right path, it all just, it starts to roll, right? And, you know, it happens, <laughs> you know, yeah. before you go in, you know, so. Yes, I do. I know what you mean. Um, <clears throat> right. Once it starts going and if other people get excited, then, well, then because it's not about you anymore. And it's kind of the idea is kind of has a life of its own. <laughs> yeah. And once, you know, once I learned about that, I put it out there to the students and asked who would be interested and got a lot of, you know, interest. And so like a core of us got started with the process with Community Wealth Building Network and, you know, and it continues to roll. <laughs> so, wow. yeah. So what is such a, right now, is it, you don't have a space, do you? Um, we don't have a space. Um, luckily, we, probably. Yeah, and actually I think that has served us really well through COVID, you know, that we don't have a space, where we don't have overheads like that. You know, we, we have been operating out of, community mm -hmm. that have been offered to us either free or by donation right so mm -hmm. um so we were in a lot of different spaces and when we you know could no longer be in those spaces we were able to pretty like easily shift online but still have connection you know um collaboration with the spaces you know so one of the spaces that we collaborate with is mental health center of denver um one of their campuses in particular that has like an urban farm and so it was really beautiful because you know our yoga would also be part of like the farmer's market and everything that they had there mm -hmm. at the time. Um, but when they had to move online you know they still wanted mm -hmm. to have community programming available so you know we've, we've been able to partner with them to to offer some you know online yoga classes. Yeah that's great and I, I I've noticed the um I've been following the Denver yoga scene has been has been affected by COVID almost more than anywhere I've seen. Like it seems like the two big chains there are both closed. Yeah. Um, and so it feels like there's uh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that was that was kind of a big thing, you know, like yeah. the two biggest yoga chains closed, you know. Yeah. And it's kind of exciting because I feel like it seems like there's a lot of opportunity. Um, I'm excited that um, Guided by Humanity got a space. Um, you know, and then they're going to be able to have their own studio, which is amazing. But I kind of imagine that's happening. I hope, and I'm curious, and maybe if that's going to happen more, like if Denver could become kind of an example of like post-COVID yoga, that's more, you know, people focused, less corporate. I don't know. What do you think? Well, that, that does seem to be happening because a lot of those spaces that closed, so, you know, Guided by Humanity moved into... Um, one of the Samadhi spaces, you know, the formerly mm -hmm. Samadhi um, And another, um, you know, another yoga studio has opened, you know, for, um, that's kind of focused on, on LGBTQ and oh, right. um, so it's courageous, courageous. Courageous, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which also took over one of the, one of the spaces, right? Um, that had closed down. And that was something that, you know, was offered to us as well. I mean, actually, um, you know, we considered collaborating with Courageous, but, you know, 
we're we're not at that place yet of thinking about like you know managing yeah. those kind of overheads yet because because we are focused a lot on donation based classes and mm-hmm. we you know we we try not to operate on a donation model in the sense that like we want our teachers to be paid you know for the the time that they teach and mm-hmm. we want our teachers to be paid well you know for the time that they teach so we don't we ask our teachers to donate their time, but we want to make sure that the classes are offered, um, that they're financially accessible to community. So, so a lot of the work that we do is trying to find money, <laughs> you know, to like pay mm-hmm. our teachers, you know, so that the the money doesn't come from the end user of the yeah. or like the it doesn't have to come from the community. Um, nice. that, but that our teachers are still being. being yeah, paid. that's awesome. So it's kind of like running a nonprofit. <laughs> it, is like, a little, it is a little bit, you know, like we are it, like some, but we're able to do it as a business though, you know, at the same right. time, like, we're still able to apply for grants. Um, we have a fiscal sponsor, so we're able to apply for oh, grants. Good. Um, and we, we're we're trying to do contracts. That's what you know. That's what our focus is. Right. Right. When somebody else gets a grant, they can hire us. You know, right? Kind of subcontract us, or. And also, you're you're. I know you're going to teach for the Accessible Yoga Conference online, right? That's coming up in October. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. Um, and what else anything else we could how how can people find you if they're not in denver is there a way yeah we have our website which is www.satyayogacooperative.com so that's s-a-t-y-a yogacooperative.com and that you know that has just information about us we're also on instagram facebook all of that so you can find out what all we're doing we have a patreon which um, which that has been one of the harder things to manage is Patreon content, just because there's so many pieces, you know, and so many mm. things that we're trying to, trying to do. But I'm wrapping up my two cohorts of, you know, teacher training this month and going to be spending like the next three months kind of focusing on creating content for our Patreon. So, wow. um, yeah, you know, there's... There's lots of ways to connect with us. Um, one of the things, you know, sometimes we get inquiries from um, BIPOC teachers in other parts of the country asking if they can teach for us. And right now we are really kind of, you know, we're focused on just our community, like the community of folks who have gone through my immersion program and, um, you know, we're kind of set up to be Colorado based, you know, so, um, so I, you know, but I really want to encourage, you know, other, other teachers, you know, out there, other BIPOC teachers, um, or or people of any community, right, like that need community to consider, you know, forming something like this, because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of advantages to it in the sense that, you know, we, you know, we can advertise for all of us, right, together. And, um, you know, like we can pool our resources to do things that we might otherwise not be able to do by ourselves. You know? Yeah. 
it's yeah. amazing. It's almost like a mo- you can be a model um, for others. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I mean, you are already. I know. Um, it's, anyway, thanks. It was. I mean, it was great to hear your story, and I just really appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I think it's really powerful when people connect the work they're doing directly to their experience. And it was just that was, yeah, that was very moving for me. Um, Anyway, so I, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I don't know if there's anything else you want to share. Um, you mentioned how people can find you. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's lots of projects going on, you know. Like, so I, as I said, I'm, you know, as you said, I'm going to be speaking at the Accessible Yoga Conference coming up. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to be offering a, a series with um, Jaisal Parikh of Yoga's mm. podcast and Susanna mm. Bhattacchi um, for South Asians, you know, like I've been focused on, on people of color and definitely, you know, have created a beautiful, I mean, we have created a beautiful community of solidarity amongst BIPOC people here in Denver Um and I'm also really excited, but I'm excited to start to kind of do a little bit of the same work with my own community. Cause you know, we have a lot yeah. of things to unpack also. So yeah. And what, where, what's the format? Is that online? Yeah, that's, that's online. And that's kind of one of the nice things about being able to do things online is that we're able to collaborate across multiple States, you know, Susanna's in Florida, um, New York. So, and how can people find find the information for that? Do you have a website? Is it is it the Satya website you mentioned? That would it be there? We we do have some information about it on the Satya website. You can also check out um, Jessel's website, which is Yogawala, um, W A L L A, and okay, yeah. Thanks, and, Susanna. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can put them in the show notes. We can put all those links um, so people can find out about that program. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank thank you for your time and for sharing with us and for all of your work. It's great to have you here today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tina. It was great to talk to you. Okay. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another week of the Accessible Yoga Podcast. You can check out everything we're doing and get show notes for the podcast over at www.accessibleyogatraining.com. You'll find the podcast where you can subscribe. We'd really appreciate it if you subscribe or if you leave us a review. The reviews are awesome and they really help us understand how we can make it better, what you like, what you don't, what's working, what's not. So please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts and you can subscribe there too. And please visit AccessibleYogaTraining.com where you can jump on our wait list for the next Accessible Yoga Training course starting in January and also get information about our other upcoming courses and everything that we offer. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll see you next time.